book of Jonah and seen a picture of a gracious God who is trying to save a wayward, rebellious, stubborn prophet who is going against God in every way possible. Jonah was told to get up and to go to Nineveh and to preach to that city. Instead of going up to Nineveh, he has gone down to Joppa. He has paid the fare, gotten on a ship. Ship has set sail. He's down in the bottom of the boat as the Lord, we are told, sends a storm and begins to wreck that ship. As the ship is beginning to fall apart, we have Jonah sleeping away. He doesn't care. He is not moved in the slightest. So you have the sailors then praying to their gods. And finally, they go down and get Jonah and say, what are you doing down here sleeping? You need to pray to your God as well. Uh, Finally, they cast lots to try to figure out why is the storm wrecking the ship and the lot falls on Jonah. Jonah finally confesses. Yes, I have been running away from the presence of the Lord. The sailors are terrified. And they go, what are we supposed to do? Because we're all going to die if this ship is breaking up. And Jonah, rather than desiring to repent or confessing his sin or praying to God or doing any of those things, he says, throw me into the sea. And we have seen a picture of Jonah in that first chapter that Jonah has no interest in turning back to God. He will not lift a finger toward God. And so he would rather drown than repent. And that's where we have left him in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 16. As he has now been thrown overboard and the sailors now are paying their vows before God and make their promises that they are going to offer their sacrifices for their survival. We're going to notice now in in Jonah chapter 2, just a a, a picture again of the stunning grace of God. This, This book is just filled with God trying to save his wayward people. And I want you to pay attention to what we are told in Jonah chapter 1 and in verse 17, because we have already seen that Jonah is far more interested in dying than repenting. And I suppose if we were God, we might say, well, fine, you don't want to serve me and you'd rather drown. There you go. Off to the sea, just as you've done. And the Lord is pictured as already descending a storm. And now you notice in chapter one and verse 17, something particularly stunning It says that the Lord had appointed a fish. (laughs) In chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so God is not done with this wayward prophet. As much as Jonah keeps running away from God, God continues to try to wake up and rescue this wayward prophet. And I think it is absolutely amazing to simply see a God who is using his creation to try to save his people. And here in one of the most unexpected ways possible is that the Lord tells a fish, go swallow him up and let him sit there for a few days and let him think about how this is all going down. Now, what often happens at this point is fascinating. There is usually 
two sides have tried to figure out this story about Jonah and a fish. And some will want to say, well, now we've clearly gone into myth and fable and story. And how could this possibly be that this kind of thing could happen? And I think it's important to keep in mind that when Jesus references this event and he speaks about Jonah and he speaks about Jonah in the belly of the fish, he doesn't refer to it like it's some mythological story. He doesn't say, you know, how once upon a time there were three bears and, you know, that he doesn't treat it like that, but says just as Jonah had been swallowed up in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So the son of man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He reckons it as an actual account, which leads, unfortunately, to the other side of the pendulum, which is then you have people trying to figure out, is it possible for a person to stay alive in a fish for three days and three nights? And there have been people who've attempted that. And if you go to Google, you'll find people be like, yeah, you, it's actually happened. If you believe that God can raise Jesus from the dead after three days and three nights, you should have no problem with God keeping a man alive in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. I do not need somebody to go prove that it's possible by natural means to have a human stay alive in a fish. This is God's hand. And he is keeping Jonah alive for a teaching purpose. And so here is Jonah in the belly of the fish for these three days and three nights. And what is particularly interesting is chapter 2 tells us how it all went down. Because after he gets thrown overboard, you kind of want to go, so what happened then? And it says it is Jonah's prayer and he might be disappointed to go, well, what exactly happened? But... Exciting for us, the prayer tells us exactly what happened after he hit the water when the sailors threw him overboard. So listen to some of the things that he says as he puts forward this prayer. Chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. I don't have time. That'd be a whole sermon unto itself. Now you're finally praying. <laughs> we we, we've had a lot to get to this point. We've had an awful lot of rebellion, an awful lot of rejection, an awful lot of running from God, an awful lot of apathy. I'm not turning to God. I'm not even going to throw myself into the sea. You have to throw me into the sea. But now that he has been swallowed by the fish and he is sitting in its stomach, here we are. And he prays to his God. But he recounts what happened. Verse 2, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep of the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all the waves and your billows passed over me. I want you to notice a picture that is being described here is Jonah says, as I was going down and seeing, I called out to the Lord, my God, and he answered me. 
And I want you to appreciate this. Because Jonah has done everything he can to run from God, ignore God, quit his prophetic calling. And you would think at this moment, when he calls out to God, God would go, no. And notice Jonah says, when I cried out in my distress, you answered me. When I cried out, when I was at the worst point, you heard my cry. And I think that should make sense to us, although often it doesn't. Because sometimes we think, well, in the midst of my distress and in the midst of the storm and in the midst of my sinking, how can I call out to God now? I've been so terrible. I've been running from him. But remember, what we are seeing in the book of Jonah is God is doing these things to get him to turn back to him. And thus it makes sense. And of course, it's not too late to turn back to God. That's exactly why this is happening. It's the very purpose that God is using at this moment. Why the storm and why the sea and why the fish? Why is all of this happening? Because this is exactly what God wants. Is for this wayward prophet to turn his eyes back upward and to cry out to his God. And friends, we should never look at our trials and never look at our storms and never look at our difficulties And think that we should not cry out to God because up to this point we've been rejecting him or refusing to listen. The storm is there to turn your eyes upward. And now from the belly of the fish, Jonah prays to God. And I think it is important that we think about that very picture because Jonah begins to have an understanding of something. You will notice that verse 3 says, For you cast me into the depths of the sea. Now, we just read the account, who actually threw Jonah into the sea? Well, you could blame a couple of, of people here. One, Jonah told them to. And two, the sailors did it. Jonah said, the only way for you to be rescued is for you all to throw me into the sea. So Jonah said, you've got to do this. The sailors go, okay. And there he goes. And notice as as he's sinking, he understands this has been the hand of God. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. You have done this. This is where you wanted me. You can just imagine there's the first scene that's given to us. It says the waves are crashing over him. Imagine what that looked like. Remember, the ship is about to break apart because of the storm. The sailors finally throw him overboard. And you can just imagine the waves just swallowing him up. And he says, you are the one who cast me into the sea. It's your waves that passed over me. It's your billows and breakers that crashed over my head. You get a scene of Jonah drowning as the seas crash over his head and he begins to sink downward. 
In fact, notice the picture that's given there in verse 4 because it's another interesting insight into Jonah's thinking. Verse 4, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. I want you to feel the crisis of faith that Jonah has at this moment. He feels like he has been driven away from God now. And and that would make sense. Jonah has rejected everything that God has said to do. And even when the storm came up against the ship, Jonah didn't care, tries to stay asleep, doesn't say we need to repent, doesn't offer a prayer, just says I'd rather drown. He's been against God every step of the way. And verse four, he says, I feel driven. I am banished from your sight. I have been driven away from your presence. I can't be with you anymore. And then I want you to notice the rest of verse four. But I will look again upon your holy temple. Now, I don't think that what Jonah is doing there is as he is sinking into the sea, he thinks, let me find the direction of the temple and try to point my body that way. Nor do I think that Jonah thinks he's actually going to survive this and goes, you know, I've been driven from your sight, but I sure think I'm going to one day be able to be in your presence and stand at your temple. I don't think any of that's the idea. The idea of saying in verse four, I will look upon your holy temple is a picture of trying to turn toward God at this moment. This is a spiritual turning point. It is taken This long for the light bulb to come on, for Jonah to turn his eyes upward. It wasn't the command to go to Nineveh. It wasn't when he was in Joppa. It wasn't when he paid the fare on the ship. It wasn't when the storm hit the ship. It wasn't when they threw him overboard. It's as he's sinking in the sea, he says, I am driven from your sight. There is no hope for me, but I will still Try to turn my eyes toward your presence yet one more time. I will seek you this moment. But I want you to notice, you might visualize how this all played out a little differently than how it actually happened. Verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. I have always visualized this completely wrong. I like to think about they threw Jonah overboard. He hit the water. As soon as he sinks, here comes the fish. Notice that's not what he said happened. He says, the seas went over my head and I sank and I sank and I sank and he hit the ground and laid on the land and the seaweed covered him and the earth began to swallow him up is what he says. He went all the way down. Wow. Can you imagine? Verse 5 to the beginning of verse 6. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. What's the root of the mountain? The very bottom of the ground. 
And I went down to the land whose bars had closed upon me forever. Just imagine just hits the ground and just the seaweed and the dirt just begins to swallow him. It's the beginning of the end for Jonah. And yet as the waves are crashing over him and as he hits the seafloor and as the seaweed wraps around him and as the earth begins to swallow him up, he gives a picture of he's been turning his eyes to God. In fact, you see that in verse 7, as my life was fainting away. So he hasn't been in the water for three seconds and here comes the fish. But he's on the brink of death. As he hits the ground of the sea floor and his life is fainting away, he says that he is turning his eyes to God. I am remembering the Lord. And you will notice the picture that is stated there at the end of verse six. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. There's an image here of as he's being swallowed up into the earth, that God is now performing a resurrection, that he is now going to give him life. Or if I could borrow how Peter is going to preach his sermon in Acts 2, that his soul is not going to stay in Sheol forever. You will not abandon my soul to death, to the grave, but instead is going to raise Jonah up here at this moment. And he sees that. You have raised my life. You have given me new life. You have given me what I've longed for. Even though I had turned from you and rejected you as I was sinking in the sea and as I lay at the seafloor, God, you heard my prayer. You heard my cry. And you answered. You rescued. And you gave new life it is such an amazing picture to hear Jonah understand I was in the pit and you raised me up I was in the grave and you gave me new life that the Lord had appointed a resurrection through this fish Friends, I really hope that we see that even if you are in the moment of a crisis of faith, it's not too late to turn to the Lord. I'm not sure how much longer Jonah could have waited to call out to his God. As my life was fainting away, he says, I remembered the Lord. In his darkest moment, in his worst of times, when it doesn't look like he has much time left, he turns and cries out to God. And God responds. In fact, the purpose of this storm was to bring Jonah to this very point so that he would see his need for the God who could rescue him. So that he would see the God who can give new life. 
This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about as he used the same kind of figure to describe what Christ has accomplished for us. And what is even being symbolized in the action of baptism is you are putting to death this old way of life. And the beauty of saying, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united in a resurrection like his. Raised to what? You have to love the imagery that we too might walk in newness of life. There is an image that we too are dead. That we're in the pit and we're in the grave. And God is at work to give us new life. And sometimes we think, well, but I've been running far from God. God's trying to get you back. Well, I haven't been listening to a thing that he's told me to do. He's trying to give you a new life. He's trying to wake you up. He's throwing storms. He's wrecking your ship. He's casting you overboard. He's doing everything he can to save you so that you can have new life. And that's what's happening to Jonah right here. Jonah's light bulb comes when he hits the seafloor. And we're kind of like that sometimes, aren't we? We even have a saying, don't we? Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. We understand that imagery. We understand sometimes you finally just have to get to the very end of it all where you finally get the light bulb and go, okay. And that's where Jonah is at. But even still, that doesn't mean it's too late to reach toward God. If Jonah can reach toward God as the seaweed wraps around his head and as the bars of the earth begin to swallow him up, it's not too late for you. Even if you've hit rock bottom, even if you've spent a whole life running from God, even if you have had no concern for God at all in your life. We see a relentless grace of God to try to bring you back and to bring you back to life. When Jonah cried to the Lord, the Lord heard his voice. Now I want you to notice how Jonah ends this prayer. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard... To vain idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. There are three amazing responses that Jonah clicks in at this moment as now that he has been swallowed up by the fish and can think about all that God has done in this rescue moment I want you to see number one he says in verse eight those who cling to worthless idols are throwing away God's steadfast love I want you to think about how he draws that conclusion right here Holding on to the cares and the concerns and the ways of the world is throwing away God's steadfast 
love. Those who pay regard to these idols, he says, are throwing away the steadfast love of God. Now, this is interesting to hear this from Jonah. If I were to say, let's make a list of his worthless idols, we could probably get pretty far in thinking about all the things that he's doing wrong and everything that has gone wrong in his life and what he's doing at this moment. And yet there is an understanding here that stubbornly running from God and refusing to listen to God in the storm is throwing away God's steadfast love. You are in the midst of the difficulty. You are in the storm. You are in the trial. God is trying to wake you up. How foolish to not turn our eyes upward in those times. Friends, since God is in charge of the storm, it doesn't make sense to turn to worthless idols when the storm hits. But we are professionals at that, aren't we? The storm hits. And we grab every worthless idol we can grab. It'll be my job that'll give me my joy. It'll be my wealth that'll save me. It will be fill in the blank of everything that we try to pursue and run after to make life better, to satisfy us, to make us happy, to change our circumstances, to get things back on the right track. We grab at everything and Jonah has the light bulb moment and goes, You need to turn to God because he's the, the God of the storm. But we turn to everything else. We think everything else will fix it. And Jonah now confesses that turning to anything else or to anyone else but God will not help you at all. You can imagine the scene. It'd be funny to think about. Here's Jonah laying on the seafloor with the seaweed wrapping around him and he starts, you know, wishing for all of his wealth. Yeah, sure, that'll save me. Start wishing for all the things that were in his life as if that would help at the moment. Who can help in the storm except the one who puts you in the storm? And Jonah understands. Those who pay regard to worthless idols are throwing away The steadfast love of God. Oh, how it hurts to think about how we throw away the relentless grace of God who is chasing us to bring us back to him. For us to only keep putting our hand up to him and keep running for more idols. Second, Jonah says in verse nine. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful. I will offer sacrifices of thanksgiving to the Lord. God's rescue should make us thankful people. God carrying us through the storm, seeing the rescue that God has accomplished is supposed to make us thankful. And if we are not offering the praise of thanksgiving to God, it means that we have forgotten the rescue that God has accomplished. And we are professionals at that too, aren't we? We are absolutely professionals at that. As soon as God gets us through the storm, right back to what we were doing, right? We're so good at this. 
you know, Lord, help me. It's been so bad. Okay, things are all better. Great. Now I can live my life how I want to again. And saying, what? Those who see God in the storm offer their praise and thanksgiving to God. They realize God got me through the storm. They realize it was God who was trying to wake me up. It was him who was trying to turn the light bulb off to get my eyes upward so that I would see him and follow him. So often we fail to offer our thanksgiving. And friends, we should remember that we have experienced undeserved mercy and the relentless grace of God after running from him. All of us have run from him. No one can stand before God and say, I didn't run from him. I've been always doing what he wanted. No, no, we've all been running. We've all been running. So friends, praise him. Thank him. And worship him. Because we understand that if it isn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here right now. If it isn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be breathing right now. I love the words of the Apostle Paul as he preaches to the people in Athens and reminds them that it is in him we move, we live, and we have our bare very being. We are only here because of the relentless grace of God. And that's why we praise him. And that's why we thank him. And that's why we worship him. And notice how he ends this prayer in verse 9. Salvation belongs to the Lord. When we stop running from God and see the worthlessness of ignoring the storm and see that God has appointed a son to save, We can say the same word. Salvation belongs to our God. Friends, what God is trying to show us is that when we are ready to look to God. God's ready to raise you to a new life. Jonah threw it all away and ran and ran and ran. And it took literal rock bottom. Jonah but he was finally ready to turn his eyes to God and when he did God was ready to raise him to new life in fact as Jonah ends those words look at the very ending of the chapter in verse 10 the Lord spoke to the fish I mean that should be a sermon I mean what I gotta talk about that I can't I'm out of time man I mean, God talked to the fish and said, okay, now it's time. (laughs) He told him when to swallow him. And he told him when it was time to spit him back up. He's ready to turn his eyes to me, then spit him back out onto dry land. I don't know what that looked like. (laughs) But Jonah had to be a sight. (laughs) One experience. But Jonah understands. I get to start over for all my running. Now I get to start over. He spit back up onto the land and he has a new chance at new life.
Are you ready to do what God tells you to do so that you can have a new life and a new start? Are you ready to praise Him and worship Him with your whole being? Because He saved you from drowning in the sea of your sins. He can send the storm. He can wreck the boat. Let you sink in the sea. And let you hit rock bottom. To get you to turn your eyes up. So that he can give you new life. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father. Your Relentless grace is stunning. And Lord, we can feel just like Jonah that we have run so far from you that we are banished from your presence. We can feel that we are so far from you that it would be impossible for us to ever come back. Lord, I pray that you would impress this message into our hearts about how much you want us back and how much you are intervening into our lives to try to wake us up so that we would see our condition, see the worthless idols we cling to, And truly understand that salvation belongs to you and to you alone. Lord, forgive us for running away. Forgive us for ignoring the storm. Forgive us for when we've ignored the message of the storm. Forgive us for when we have allowed ourselves to run so far that we have finally had to hit rock bottom. But Lord, thank you for being there and listening to us, even when we are on the bottom. Thank you for showing us that even when we feel like there's no hope and that it's too late, that there is hope and it's not too late. Lord, your love is amazing. And thank you for loving sinful people like us. Lord, give us new life as we turn our eyes to you. Lord, we know you're in the business of reversals. And you can change any condition. And we pray that you would do that for our lives this very day. Lord, hold us up as we seek you more. And help us to see that you are in the storm. And you are there to bring us back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, are you ready to embrace the grace of God today? I hope you see a picture of God here who is working to bring you back to him. He does not want your soul to be lost for all eternity. He does not want you to die in rebellion against him, but instead is working to bring you back. Would you give your life to him today to turn away from sin and to choose today? To follow him with all of your heart, to serve him faithfully, 
to be thankful and praise him and worship him because he has saved you from the sea of sins and he has brought you to a new life. We want to help you anyway. If you are interested, would you please talk to me afterward or grab somebody next to you and go, hey, I need to talk about this. We are here to help you to get your life back right with God, to turn your life toward God, to get those eyes upward. We can help you in any way. Let us know afterward, or you can come forward right now while we stand and while we sing.